Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is TTS Thursday number 8. Today's topic is workout design or you might want, want to call it workout planning if you prefer that terminology. But before we get into that, big thanks to our sponsors Zenate. Senate creates a swim trainer, a swim bench that you can use at home. It's inflatable, meaning that it has an instability element, so you get to practice your core activation. But it also means that you can store it away nice and small when you're not using it. The Senate swim trainer is not meant by any means to replace swimming. And as many countries are opening up their pools, it's important to mention that. But it's meant to be used as an effective adjunct to the training that you're already doing in the pool or even in in the open water. Uh, it helps add more consistency and frequency of training stimulus. In some cases, it can also help you work specifically on aspects of your swimming, for example, improve the power of your stroke or some aspects of technique like practicing a high elbow catch when it's easier to perceive the motions that you're doing in the dry, dry land environment, but then you will transfer that to the water by training in the water. The swim trainer also opens up opportunities to do some specific training like swim bike brick workouts where you can do a high intensity senate session to stimulate the effect of a race swim before jumping on your bike and doing a bike session. You can get 20% off your order of the senate swim trainer with the promo code that you can find on senateswimtrainer.com forward slash TTS. And thank you to Roka. Roka are the world-leading manufacturers of wet, wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, high-performance eyewear, and prescription glasses and sunglasses. The eyewear category is uh, the most recent product category that Roka has really entered and uh, taken by storm with uh, all of the, uh, the products and the innovations that they're producing there. Some of the key features that they have in their eyeglasses and sunglasses lineups include uh, ultra-lightweight frames, adjustable features, anti-slip technology so that you will never have your glasses slip off your face. You can do virtual try-ons on their website and you can also do an online vision test to update your prescription in about 15 minutes from the comfort of your home. You have home try-on options so you can try up to four pairs at home for seven days and they have blue light blocking coatings for their glasses and many many other really cool features and innovations. Prescription glasses are US only, but for people elsewhere, Roka have a fantastic lineup of non-prescription sunglasses from casual to performance, so check them out as well. You can get 20% off your entire Roka order with a promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS. One more piece of housekeeping before the main topic for today. Just a reminder that until, that until the end of April, you can get our newly launched Advanced Olympic 7.3 and Ironman training plans for 60% off the regular price. I'll talk a bit more about these plans after the episode. Uh, and you can also check out scientifictriathlon.com and go to the training plans page for all the information about this. But now let's get on to today's topic, workout design. First, let's uh, outline what we'll talk about today. We'll discuss how important workout design is in the big picture of training. We'll discuss common mistakes made in workout design. We'll, I'll give some specific pointers for different types of workouts, such as threshold workouts, VO2 max work, workouts, and some other ones. So just some tips that I think are useful to be aware of when it comes to designing these types of workouts. And finally, we'll outline a simple workout design process. 
First, let's discuss how important workout design really is. And here, as always, the answer is it depends. And in this case, I would say that it depends mostly on your current ability level and on your goals. If you're a high-level athlete with high-flying goals, then workout design can really be quite important. Whereas if you're in the beginning stages of your endurance sports career, it's definitely not irrelevant. You'll improve faster with more effective workouts, but it is not as critical as it can be for athletes that might be relatively close to their potential, or at least close to the potential that they can realistically achieve with whatever their time budget for training allows them to train. One thing to keep in mind is that you can have the best workouts in the world in your training plan, but if you're not actually executing the workouts correctly, then there's little point in them being good or bad. So we cannot just rely on having good workouts. We need to rely on also executing them well. So executing the workout workouts correctly doesn't mean that you have to be a stickler for every single minor detail or that you can never ride your bike outside because you won't get the perfectly smooth power graph that you might when you ride indoors but it means understanding and executing the intent of the workout and uh, this is probably a topic workout execution that we should cover in a future tts first day episode another important thing i want to highlight is that workout design or, or workout planning is nowhere near as important in my opinion as the actual training plan design and or having a good training plan in the first place and this is essentially what we talked about at least tangentially in last week's tts first day in number seven where we talked about training adaptations and time scales and how the really important functional adaptations that we're after occur on time scales lasting from weeks to months to years and is largely a result of the overall work put in over those respective time scales, and much less so a result of the fine nuances of individual workouts. One important note, though, that I want to say here is that I consider the selection of what type of workout to do, that would be a training plan design variable rather than a workout design variable. So to explain what I mean here, Deciding whether you're going to do a tempo run or a VO2 max interval run or a hilly long run, that is a decision that you do on a training plan level because those are different, fundamentally different types of workouts. So, so it happens at the training plan level and not at the workout level. Uh, at the workout level, what you do there is you maybe you have selected that, okay, today is going to be a tempo run that's already done at the training plan level. And then at the workout level, what you consider are variables such as well how long should your tempo run be or if you're doing an interval workout what is the structure of the intervals you're doing or where do you do your hilly long run so that you get in enough hills that there is another workout variable for those different examples of workouts so in other words choosing to do a tempo run rather than a long hilly run that is a relatively important decision one that happens on a training plan level but choosing to do a 40-minute tempo run rather than a 30-minute tempo run, that is a slightly less important decision. I'm not saying unimportant, but slightly less important. So just so we have an awareness of the relative importance of different factors of making your training effective. 
So to summarize, workout design is definitely not unimportant at all. And especially as you get closer to your potential, the more important it gets. But uh, do keep in mind that you should not focus on workout design at the expense of the overall structure of the training plan and the big picture focus and those longer timescale adaptations as we talked about last week. Now, let's move on and talk about some common mistakes in workout design that you should avoid. And uh, note here that we are not talking about training plan mistakes. So an example of a training plan mistake would be to not know the purpose of a given workout you're planning to do. But uh, yeah, that level is one level higher than what we're looking at here. We're assuming now that you have planned out your your high-level training plan so you know what type of workout that you'll be doing and what type of training objective you want to achieve on a given day. And then the task is to design a workout to help you achieve that objective. So the first mistake I want to mention here, the first of two only that I think are really important to mention, is that a workout is more than just power, pace, and heart rate targets. It is easy to only focus on these aspects as they are clear and straightforward. But uh, in addition to, to these ways to measure and control intensity, you also want to consider other variables outside of intensity. So you want to consider technique and form how does that play into your workout and your workout objectives uh, for example are you going to do the your bike ride in the in the tt position or sitting up and and things of that nature you want to consider nutrition and hydration because that can be a critical part of workout design as well especially when you're doing race specific workouts you want to consider environmental aspects which also can be really really important and uh, they are just a few examples and uh, and these things are all uh, variables that can and should consider in some of your workouts and at least you should be aware that these variables are, are are equally important as the intensity control parameters even though you might not use all of them or any of them in every single workout uh, the point to remember is to get the most out of your workout plan these parameters already as you set up the workout don't let nutrition hydration for example be something you do on the go as you're already doing the workout if you have a long Ironman specific bike ride that you're planning, for example, then set up your success criteria for the workout, not just in terms of the power that you want to hold on the bike, but also the hydration that you want to consume and the nutrition you want to consume and consider those as equally important to the power targets that you may have. The second mistake that I want to mention is to uh, focus on external load always and never focusing on internal load in your workout design. So just briefly, uh, external and internal load are measures of external load. To give you the clear-cut examples is measuring power, the power that you put into the pedals on the bike or the pace that you're running, whereas internal load, so they, they reflect the output of what you're doing. You are producing 200 watts, 300 watts, 400 watts. That's clear-cut. It's an output, it's objective, it's measurable. The same thing with pace. You're running at five minutes per kilometer, six minutes per kilometer, three minutes per kilometer. Again, an objective clear output variable of a, of locomotion really. But internal load is how what, what strain it takes your body to produce that output. So that can be measured by, for example, heart rate. In the lab, it could be measured by oxygen consumption. It could also be measured by lactate. And it can be measured by RPE, your rating of perceived effort. 
Now, external load measures such as power and pace are obviously really great. Uh, it's a great thing to have. And in many cases, they might be the primary load measures that you're focusing on and the primary targets that you set up. Uh, I would say that uh, it's always when you're in terms of executing workouts, it's important to always be aware of all the different parameters both external and internal so let's say you're running you should be aware of your pace but also your heart rate and your rpe if you're cycling your power but also your uh, your heart rate and your rpe and maybe one is slightly more important than the other so in a particular workout a bike workout that is based on power you might have power as the primary metric that you're focusing on but that doesn't mean that you just stick to it blindly you're still monitoring what happens to heart rate and rpe and uh, and then you might adjust things based on how things go so for example uh, i'm sure that we've all been in a situation where from one week to the next you you sometimes have to work harder to achieve the same pace or power output that you did last week so your heart rate might be higher and your rpe is higher but it's not so high that you don't manage to do it and uh, this is a part of training to be able to decide when the difference in internal load is so big that you're not or so small that you're not fundamentally changing the effects and consequences of the work that you're doing but other times the difference in internal load so higher heart rate or, or higher rpe might be so big that you decide that on that day you have to lower your expectations a bit uh, or even on the contrary sometimes you might feel so great and your heart rate is so low that you decide to go a little bit faster or harder than than you had expected to do on the day so so this is kind of part of workout execution as much as workout planning Uh, but uh, the point here is that there are some workouts where it makes sense to plan the workout with internal load measures as your primary measures of intensity rather than external load measures so examples might be easy workouts like your easy run your easy bike so we're not talking about endurance work zone two but we're talking about more like zone one work here that some people might call recovery workouts and uh, in those cases i think that really you you want to to have rpe be the primary driver of, of them like it should just feel really really easy but also you want to have a cap for the external load so or and maybe some a heart rate cap as well but go no faster than this on the run go no harder than this in terms of power on the bike and so on but uh, but the main point is not to give a power target or a pace target it is that this should feel like a two out of ten for example on on an rpe scale some endurance workouts might also you might also benefit from focusing on uh, on internal load measures such as rpe but also heart rate heart rate can be great for those steady endurance workouts to to just try to uh, to hold a steady heart rate that you know is in your zone two rather than power or pace and especially depending on terrain uh, this might be might be a good option uh, trail runs for example when you're going and running on trails pace will be pretty irrelevant so heart rate and rpe together would be would be much better options when you're doing open water swimming as well you're not aware of what your pace is or anything like that so uh, and most likely you're not aware of your heart rate you could be with some devices but then rpe really becomes what you prescribe the workouts by so 
so the the point here is a key aspect of workout design is to choose the right option between a focus on external versus internal load for uh, controlling intensity and you can choose both that is important to keep in mind it uh, it doesn't have to be that you choose one uh, one option you can choose both so so just be aware of that and and don't always default to always having pace or power because they're external load measures all right, let's discuss some advice. And this is just some things, a list of things that uh, that I think is uh, can be good sort of to uh, just to think about. And, and these are my personal opinions. Uh, so so take it for what it is, but, uh, but perhaps you'll find it useful. So advice for some specific types of workouts, things that I think could benefit you to, to maybe, maybe try and consider in your workout design process. So first, if we start from the intense side of the spectrum, if we're talking about VO2 max intervals or high intensity interval training or HIT zone 5 training, you're going above your threshold. Uh, there's a lot of talk here about whether one type of, of these intervals is more effective than another because there are so many different interval structures. You can have short intervals with very short recoveries, like 30 seconds on, 15 seconds off, and repeat that for a duration that takes in total, let's say, eight minutes and then you do three sets of that and yeah that is one that that might be called short hit but then you might have long hit which is to do five times four minutes and then you recover for three minutes between the sets and or the the intervals so so that might be called long hit and uh, yeah the debate rages whether one type of interval is more effective than the other and uh, I mean, there is not really, in my opinion, super strong evidence either way. Uh, some of the best work that I've seen is from past guest of the show, Michael Rosenblatt, and, and his meta-analysis does indicate that longer intervals may be slightly more effective, but but also there is a trade-off to that. They are harder. So, uh, so we will talk about trade-offs a bit later, but in some instances, it may be that you want to get just enough of a stimulus and the short intervals can can provide you that but without the the drawbacks of the longer intervals of taking longer to recover from so and and an example of this is in uh, the science and application of high intensity interval training uh, which is the work by paul larson and martin boucher uh, paul larson has been on the show several times before so you can look look up his episodes if you're interested they argue very well for using both short hit and long hit to get the best of both words because physiologically they're also slightly different so the point here is that when choosing between short and long intervals my advice would be choose both maybe you could lean towards choosing uh, the long hit slightly more often because they might be a little bit more effective but uh, but use both options don't try to find the best because the best is probably a combination of both a second tip here is to use session rpe targets and reps left in the tank targets to determine what intensity what the intensity of your intervals should be because the intensity of intervals shouldn't be in my opinion a percentage of of ftp or a percentage of uh, of threshold pace or anything like that it also is very difficult if not impossible to predict heart rate responses they vary very much from individual to individual and even things like cadence and terrain might impact heart rate a lot so so in my opinion one of the best ways to uh, to tar to to determine whether you have achieved your objectives in these workouts is to use a target session rpe and what that means is that i simply usually tell athletes that well you have this 
this interval session coming up and uh, it should feel by the end of it that this was an 8 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10 effort if we're really focusing on that as a key session of the week then that's how hard it should be so so pretty hard but it shouldn't be absolutely all out it shouldn't be a puke fest uh, another thing that i like to say is that you should have a couple of reps left in the tank this depends on of course on how long the intervals are if you're doing five times four minutes maybe you should only have one rep left in the tank and not two but if you're doing 10 times two minutes then you might maybe should have two reps left in the tank but yeah you should have a little bit of left in the tank you should be able to do a little bit more when you finish the workout and use those guidelines to determine what the intensity should be not a percentage of ftp or a percentage of of threshold uh, then the next tip for these workouts is the recoveries i think you benefit a lot and again uh kudos here to paul larson and martin boucher and their work in science and application of high intensity interval training but recoveries can be very easy or even passive and that will have a beneficial effect on the workouts more often than not and also recoveries don't have to be too short at least not when doing intervals that are let's say two minutes or longer it's completely fine that the, the recoveries are yeah, yeah don't uh, don't fall for the trap of making your recoveries like forcing them to be very short and thinking that's going to make your workout more effective uh, at least not when you're doing these longer intervals that are two minutes or, or longer they, they can be let's say two minutes easily for two minute intervals or three minutes for three minute intervals or or four minute intervals and and so on now if you talk about threshold workouts i like to use two types of, of workouts to to work specifically on on threshold and one is to use steady work just below threshold note here i say just below and i I don't say right at threshold because then invariably you will be spending some quite some time above threshold if if the prescription is to go uh is to go right at it so so that's one one way of of doing this work so steady work it might be a run that is 20 a 20 minute run and just below threshold or at threshold is a classic type of run and it works it's classic because it's a good run and you can you can extend that to 25 or even 30 minutes and and it's a great workout uh, and and on the bike you have classic workouts like three times 12 minutes of of, of work at 95 percent of ftp would be a, a great example but the other type of workout that i like is over under type of uh, workouts so this means uh, alternating between going slightly above threshold and going a bit below threshold and here i have a tip which is that the unders are quite often i see people doing them too close to threshold they don't have to be super hard it doesn't have to be 105 percent and 95 percent i think that the unders can often be 80 to 85 percent of ftp if we're talking about the bike and if we're talking about running you can think of it as your over well, intervals might be 10k pace and your unders might be marathon pace so so an example workout here on the run might be to do 20 minutes where you're doing one minute at 10k race pace and one minute at marathon pace or slightly faster than marathon pace so so repeating that for for 20 minutes it would would be a good example and and on the bike typical examples would be again something like three times 12 minutes of one minute at 105 percent and one minute at 80 to 85 percent threshold workouts are costly and challenging Uh, so one thing i would say as well here as a piece of advice is that while it's clear that you have to do a certain amount of work 
and and how much we could argue that all day i mean it depends really on the athlete and and their level but but every athlete has to do a certain amount of work to really move the needle with these workouts workouts but i do think that sometimes we might overestimate just how much work that is especially if we're triathletes and we're working in three disciplines and we might be doing threshold work both on the bike and the run and the swim you don't have to do let's say 40 minutes of threshold work every time for it to be an effective workout because doing less work at threshold and doing that frequently that cumulatively will bring about positive effects and cumulatively includes the work that you do in the other disciplines as well not just in one particular discipline next uh, some tips for strength and stamina workouts and what i mean with strength and stamina workouts is something we talked about in the uh, in the episodes on run and bike training it's essentially sub threshold work so you might call it moderate intensity work so zone three work low zone four work you tempo sweet spot intervals or tempo and sweet spot workouts and sometimes these strength and stamina workouts are also combined with force production or torque production so for example hill running using paddles in the pool using low cadence work on the bike so putting putting it in a heavy gear and uh, and pushing a high torque in terms of workout design for this workout, I think that, again, this is an area where the actual design of one particular workout matters probably less than we think. And a more important parameter is how much of this type of work are you doing at a training plan level? So over the over a period of three or four weeks, for example. One thing I want to mention here is that a school of thought that uh, you might see bounded about with this type of training often around let's say bike training around tempo or sweet spot work on the bike but i mean i think you can also see this about when talking about zone three or zone four training on the run uh, it's that if you're not doing in on the in the bike example now let's say sweet spot example if you're not doing sweet spot intervals that are at least 20 minutes long it's pointless because you should be able to do 20 minutes of sweet spot work which is high zone three low zone four you should be able to do that without too too many issues and in certain contexts, that may very well be true. For many amateur cyclists, it is true. And, and there is uh, some good good reasons for that statement, even though I, I don't think I 100% agree with it. But, but there are, it's definitely, there, there is an element of truth to that. But here we have to remember that as triathletes, we do three different disciplines within our sport. We generally train quite a lot more than most cyclists and runners do and fatigue management is an even more important issue for us than for other endurance athletes not just physically but mentally and cognitively as well so maybe for triathletes with lower trading volumes again i do see some truth in that statement that you should do these types of strength and stamina efforts as longer duration intervals let's say 20 minute sweet spot intervals but if you're somebody who trains let's say three times per week in each discipline three swims bikes and runs which is a lot of training training nine times per week then i really don't think it matters if you do two times 30 minutes of sweet spot training or six times 10 minutes or or seven times eight minutes of sweet spot training with one to two minute rest in between in terms of the effect of the workout uh, in terms of the positive effects that is but in terms of fatigue management then the latter option with breaking it up a bit can be a better one so don't be afraid to go against what you might 
call or see as conventional wisdom here with longer intervals with these strength and stamina workouts because that is often portrayed outside the context of multi-sport in this regard next and the final type of workout i want to talk about here is fatigue resistance workouts and again this is something we talked about in the episodes about uh, bike and run training uh, on the tts first day and but Put simply, it is when you do a certain amount of work, so it could be just steady endurance riding on the bike for two hours or two and a half hours or however long it is. And then after that pre-fatiguing part, you do a harder set of work. So for example, 30 minutes of tempo riding when you're already kind of fatigued and have expended a fair amount of of energy or you used a fair amount of kilojoules. And that the advice I want to give for these types of workouts is that first determine the pre-fatiguing part based on what's needed in your goal races. So for example, if your goal race is a half Ironman and you're, you think that you will do the bike leg there in two and a half hours, then the pre-fatiguing part could be two hours of solid endurance riding and then you put in that 30 minutes of harder riding and you get your two and a half hours and uh, you kind of simulate doing that last hardish 30 minutes of work when at the same duration that you would be doing the last 30 minutes of your half Ironman bike leg and sometimes you can of course go overtime so you can you could start with three hours of pre-fatiguing and then you might even be able to match the expended energy in terms of kilojoules to what you will do on race day but keep in mind that then you're actually matching what you do in training to what you will do on race day and that's something that you don't need to do very often. So uh, so yeah, th- those sessions, I mean, it can be done sometimes as a nice combination of just regular endurance work that you would do anyway if you, in your training plan, want to and think that you benefit from doing longer endurance rides. Uh, so then, yeah, it's a great combination to do. But specifically trying to always simulate race day in absolute terms in terms of kilojoules burn, for example, that's not something that you need to be too concerned about doing very often Uh, the second thing i want to mention here is that there's no need to go any harder in that hard part at the end the fatigue resistance part than what you'll do in your goal race so again if you're preparing for a 7.3 then it makes sense to do that hard part at roughly your target 7.3 race power but if you're preparing for an olympic then it will be olympic distance race power but it might be a shorter segment and uh, and for Ironman, it might be it, it might be a, a much lower power, so your Ironman part target power, but to do it for a longer time. So, for example, the duration for if you're preparing for a seven point three might be twenty to thirty minutes of work at your seven point three target power, but at for an Ironman athlete, it might be forty five to sixty minutes at your target Ironman power. Uh, and uh, then next let's move on to the workout design process and uh, yeah the first step here is to know the purpose of the workout and again as we discussed before deciding on the purpose of a workout is really more of a training plan design level rather than a workout design level uh, but but it's something that you need to be aware of so if you haven't done your homework and and done that at the training plan level then do that first because that is the the foundation for everything if you don't know what you want to be have be your objective in in the workout then how can you design a good good workout for it keep in mind when it comes to knowing the purpose of the workout that it's not all about physiology 
sometimes we overestimate how much uh, how much is about physiology. Of course, it's crucially important, but there are other aspects of uh, of training that we we sometimes might, might forget, like technical aspects, psychological aspects, environmental aspects, and so on. And and also workouts can have multiple purposes on many of these different levels. So I would say, in terms of purpose, refer back to the. TTS Thursday episodes on swim, bike, and run training specifically, because then you'll hear kind of the demands of triathlon, swimming, biking, and running, and some key aspects for training for them. And that can give you some more ideas for what the purpose of typical swim, bike, and run workouts should be and, and how to fit that into your overall training plan. And uh, step two in the workout design process is to think about your success criteria about your constraints and about potential trade-offs. So success criteria for your workout might be anything from technical aspects. So for example, I want this swim to be done at my best easy pace or my run to be at best easy pace. Or I want to do this bike ride really focusing on my aero position and turtling and getting low and have a flat back. Other success criteria might be more typical that you might see in terms of physiological development perspective so focusing on how much time did you spend spend around your threshold pace or power or specific heart rate or rpe or how much time did you spend in your zone five let's call it your your vo2 max range for pace or power those sorts of things uh, it can also be to reach a certain level of perceived difficulty for the workout and then call it a day. So go and do these, these types of intervals until, until you reach an RPE of eight or eight and a half and then call it a day. You could also have a success criteria be in terms of the overall duration of a workout. So let's say for cyclists, uh, typically, or, or Ironman athletes, like those long duration rides would be examples of that. Or even to achieve a certain distance or, or kilojoules spent uh, in terms of energy. And uh, last but not least, entertainment. Training should be fun most of the time. So there's nothing wrong with having entertainment and, and having fun being part of the success, success criteria for the workout. Next, constraints include things like what fatigue are you carrying into the workout and what fatigue can you afford to take, uh, take on after the workout and carry on to your next, uh, your next day or your next workout. Also, what is your time available for for the day? And what are the environmental constraints? Maybe you would love to go and do some hill running, but you just live in, in the flatland, so so that's not an option. Or And then you might consider if it's worth it to, to go and, and do the run on a treadmill or not. So, so constraints are also important to take into consideration. And finally, trade-offs. And trade-offs include things like how far is it worth it to push this individual workout, meaning how hard and tough and challenging should you make it, considering that it could lead, if it's very challenging, to you not being able to perform as planned or do as much quality training in the coming days as you could otherwise. So simply, the trade-offs that you're doing in terms of workout design are about how to optimize for the big picture of the training program, but still having a good stimulus on the one day or the particular day of this given workout. So all of these things are things that you you need to consider when when planning your workout. And then the final step is to simply pick a workout or design the workout based on those success criteria, constraints, and trade-offs. Keep in mind that there are, of course, many, many ways that lead to Rome. There's not just one solution. Uh, don't be afraid to pick a simple, tried, and true 
option that fits your success criteria and so on you don't always have to reinvent the wheel if you are however designing your own workouts based on those success criteria that you laid out and constraints and so on then do remember that you don't have to do things make things complex workouts can be simple and there's no need for complexity for the sake of complexity that being said it can also be taken to the other extreme where some people uh, might really be be negative about workouts that have some quote-unquote stuff going on in them uh, and just because they think that that's about all about entertainment or maybe athlete engagement that has nothing to do with making the workout effective but uh, but i think that that is also taking it too far to the other extreme just because workouts can be simple doesn't mean that they always have to be simple there are many things to consider and uh, maybe some things we are considering here are things like the specificity of the race and and surges you will have to do on race day because terrain or whatnot uh, it can be the psychological side of being able to push a, a much harder power for a short while uh, even when you're in the middle of a of a long block of otherwise steady riding or running likewise or swimming and it could and and also it could be that it's all about engagement and entertainment in some cases but disregarding workouts that take athlete engagement and entertainment into account is not really a good call because that is crucial so it shouldn't be disregarded and uh, so so yeah you can pick a tried and true workout or you can design your own workout and uh, keep in mind that yeah it doesn't have to be complex but but also there is a time and place for when workouts can have a lot of stuff going on in them and that's not wrong and then finally just learn and iterate so when you start to design your first let's say threshold workout you might make it quite conservative and say okay for this one i'm just going to do two times 10 minutes at threshold and uh, on the run and be happy with that but then if you find that you can do that without any negative impact on the rest of your workouts for the week then maybe next week you choose to do a little bit more or maybe you find find that you're doing this threshold workout on a hill if we're talking about cycling now for a second but the hill was too steep to do effective training of being in the tt position on the bike so then you realize that for next week you should change the workout environment which is another variable of workout planning to a flatter road or an indoor trainer so you can do the workout in the tt position all right so let's summarize what we talked about here just briefly we first discussed how important workout design is and uh, we said that this depends on the level of the athlete Uh, for more advanced athletes it can become quite important more important than is for more beginning athletes but it's never as important as actual training plan design and i really recommend that you listen to tts first day number seven to hear more about this then we talked about common mistakes and primarily we talked about how it's important to consider parameters other than just the straightforward ones of pace heart rate and power but also considering technique and form nutrition and hydration environmental aspects and so on and take them into account already in the workout planning process and we also talked about it sometimes being better to plan workouts based on internal rather than external load or using both but for example using heart rate or rpe targets as examples of internal load measures rather than pace or power which are examples of external load measures 
then we talked about considerations for specific types of workouts but yeah i won't repeat that here we finally talked about a simple process to go through when planning your workout so starting from knowing the purpose then laying out your success criteria for the workout the constraints of the workout and the trade-offs that you're taking and finally picking either a tried and true option or designing something from scratch but no matter what learn and iterate from it and that's it for today's tts first day uh, if you have any questions about this episode please send them in and I'll be happy to answer them next week. Now I want to talk just a little bit more about the new advanced training plans that we have launched. Uh, You can find them on scientifictriathlon.com or through scientifictriathlon.com because the plans are sold through Training Peaks. They're only available on Training Peaks at the moment. They can be used with a free Training Peaks account, so that's not an issue. And until the 30th of April, they are are available for 60% off uh, using the code ADVANCED at checkout. Uh, So just some things that I want to mention in terms of what these plans include. Uh, They include weekly coaching videos that help you get the most out of each week of the plan with some tips specific to that week. Also an overall longer introduction video to help you execute the plan to the best of your abilities with a lot of coaching tips. Uh, The purpose of the workouts are always explained. You're not left with just targets. There's always an introduction to the workout explaining why you're doing what you're doing. And that will help you execute the workouts better and adjust them as needed depending on how things are going because you know the purpose of them and then you can execute the intent of the workout the plans include structured workouts so you can choose to get uh, the plan as, as based on bike power and running pace or running power and those structured workouts from training peaks can be exported to for example swift or to your garmin so that's taken care of and uh, also with the plans do come with great customer support you can email us at support at scientific if you have questions about the plans and some this is some, these are things that have been available in all of the plans that i made over the last couple of years i think but some new things that i've taken into account here and in, in, introduced for these plans uh, based on feedback from previous plans is that now these plans have kind of tailored or you you can tailor the volume of certain workouts and that means that you can tailor the volume of the entire training plan to fit what your level is and what your time availability is so for example you might have a weekend bike ride that is prescribed as being three hours long but actually it's prescribed as being in the range of two hours 30 to three hours 30 indicating that you are free to go for a duration anywhere within that range meaning that uh, when you as a whole if you adjust most of your workouts down then your overall workout volume will be on the lower side compared to what the average of the plan might otherwise be which is a good thing for athletes that haven't built up to be able to handle that kind of volume but on the other hand if you're a very high volume athlete then you can just increase the duration of these adjustable duration workouts to get the training plan volume up to a level that you're used to if the nominal volume of the training plan is a bit lower than what you're used to because then yeah i don't think that you need to go lower in terms of volume either so to give you an example the the advanced half distance plan on average is 14 hours 18 minutes per week but depending on how you choose to do the adjustable duration workouts if the minimum that you might the the average 
can be anywhere from 12 hours 57 minutes per week to 15 hours 43 minutes per week so there's a lot of uh, a wiggle room there for you to adjust things to your particular volume and finally the plans now also include strength training which is home-based strength training circuits that you can do at home with minimal equipment two to three sessions per week and uh, that is something that has been highly requested as well all right, so check those out and I'll link to it in the episode description and also you can go directly to scientifictriathlon.com and to the training plans page. Remember, the promo code is advanced to get 60% off and that is valid until the 30th of April. On next Monday's episode, we welcome back coach David Tilbury Davis to the podcast and uh, for those of you who don't know, David is my personal coach because uh, I'm a strong believer that coaches also need coaches. So it was great to have him back on the podcast to chat and I'm looking forward to releasing that episode and I hope you will enjoy it. Finally, thank you to our sponsors, Sen8. Use the Sen8 swim trainer to improve your technique, power and stamina and use it as an effective adjunct to your pool swim training or to replace uh, swim training, pool swim training when pools are closed. Get 20% off your order of the swim trainer with the promo code that you can get on sen8swimtrainer.com forward slash TTS. And thank you to Roka that you can find on roka.com. Check out their wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, high-performance eyewear, and prescription glasses and sunglasses, and get 20% off your order with the promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart, and keep loving triathlon.